Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. Today we're going to take a look at the October lunar eclipse in the sign of Taurus. This is the last of the eclipses in the sign of Taurus since the nodes of the moon have already changed signs. We have kind of a lingering out of sign eclipse in Taurus, still close enough to the node to make a partial lunar eclipse. Um, to me, this is a good moment to, a few weeks out from the eclipse, remind ourselves of where we've been with the Taurus eclipses. We're going to visit quick hit symbolism of the 12 whole sign houses uh, so that you can just kind of refresh yourself on what topics have been active since the spring of 2022 when we had our first eclipses in Taurus. We'll refresh on when the eclipses happened and what kinds of topics you should be looking at both cumulatively and uh, immediately as the eclipses come through one last, as the eclipse comes through one last time in Taurus next month. So that is our goal for today. Kind of a, I think this is going to be a briefer video. I just want to do, sometimes it's good to just get out a few weeks in advance of a transit and just do a little reminding of where, where things are going. So anyway, uh, that's our goal for today. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And I'd love to hear your stories about this eclipse or the eclipses that you've already seen in Taurus today. This would be a great episode to share some stories. If you have a specific story that would be good for our Grabbed series, use the hashtag Grabbed. Tell us the name of the eclipse or just remind us that it was the eclipses in Taurus or whatever it is. Tell us your story in the comments section using that hashtag Grabbed or email us Grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. You can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. And when you're over there, as you guys know right now, we are in the midst of enrollment season for my upcoming one-year program. It begins every uh, June and November, and that is the course Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. Um, I'm hoping that I will have some students on to talk about the program uh, uh, soon, maybe in October at some point. For now, go to the Nightlight Astrology website, click on the first year course under the courses tab to learn more about the program. What I like to tell people is that ancient astrology is really fundamentally, no matter what kind of astrology you practice or prefer, studying ancient astrology is going to give you a set of tools that will make any and every kind of astrology better. The reason for that is that ancient astrology is all about understanding the why behind every single theoretical idea that we have and use. So a lot of good programs teach you how to use tools or they tell you what techniques to use in order to interpret birth charts. But what ancient astrology does, and the reason I became so passionate about it is because I'm a why person. If I know why I'm doing something, I feel a lot better doing it than just doing it because I'm told to do it or doing it because I'm told that's just how it is. Ancient astrology says, why did houses come about? Why did signs come about? What is the actual difference between a sign and a house? Why these seven planets? Why did their, how did their meanings come about? Um, you know, what are eclipses? Where do they come from? How did the meanings of the houses ever get established in the first place? These kinds of questions, when you learn and study them at a very deep level over the course of a whole year, have a way of seeping in and, um, just permeating the way that you think about astrology and the way that you read charts. So of course the program will teach you how to read charts, but we're doing so in a way that gives you a much deeper and more intuitive grasp of why you're doing what you're doing, which then allows you to make your own intuitive leaps a lot more easily because all lists of descriptions from signs, planets, and houses are rooted in uh, the underlying theoretical and philosophical framework that ancient astrologers established. So once you understand that, you have the skeleton key, the master key that can allow you to create 
it, it allows you to understand where all the lists of topics and descriptions come from for signs, planets, houses, et cetera. But it also allows you to come up with those that are completely unique in the moment with every new person that you're talking with. And that's, um, that's why I love ancient astrology so much. Anyway, there's 30 classes on the year. It's all recorded, so you can attend live or you can participate remotely. Uh, we have tutoring staff that's there in and outside of class year-round with breakout study sessions, with a forum discussion group where you always get your questions answered by staff that are there uh, sort of um, answering your questions within a day. At the bottom, you'll find the early bird payment saves you $500 off. There's a 12-month payment plan that allows you to stretch your tuition out over 12 monthly payments. And then the main thing that I want to promote right now is that our need-based tuition contracts are now open for registration. We have a limited amount available. We ask that people apply early because it just takes, a, there's a few little steps involved in um, applying for need-based tuition assistance. Just click the apply now button if you're someone who wants to take the course, but you're living in a very fixed budget and you need a little bit of help. You need to make sure you're not spreading yourself too thin. And then we ask that people who can afford the program at the normal tuition, uh, that you do so. And we just, we have, for 13 years now, we have trusted our clients to say to themselves, I can afford this, so I'll pay the normal rate. And for those who say, you know what, I can't afford this, I really need some help. And there's, you know, there's no way that this could happen for me unless I have a little bit of help, then use the tuition based, the tuition assistance. That's what it's there for. If you have any questions, feel free to email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Courses start November 18th. We'd love to see you there in class and study astrology with you for the next year. All right. Well, now we're going to take a look at the kind of cumulative effect of the Taurus eclipses. So we have been having eclipses in the signs of Taurus and Scorpio dating back to 2022. Um, right now, what I want to do is go back in time and walk us through the sequence of eclipses that we've had. So we're going to go back, um, first of all, to April 30th of 2022, because this was the day on which we had our first of the Taurus eclipses. Here you can see and I'll just back this up a few hours so we can get the kind of exact look of it. But here is the first of the Taurus eclipses. This was very closely aligned within four degrees of Uranus. This was a solar eclipse that came on April 30th of 2022. Solar eclipses open things up, but all eclipses are powerful and they're touching into karmic patterns and themes that have very long histories behind them. The eclipses are, in that sense, like mega new and full moons in that they, they touch not just on a theme that's going to be powerful for a month, but that has a nine and 18 year history behind it. It comes in, eclipses are like very, very long sets of uh, lunar um, cycles, you could say. It's, it's, it's like weaving together a storyline that is you know, two decades long rather than a month long or a couple months long. So at any rate, the first solar eclipse was in Taurus on April 30th, 2022. The second lunation that we received with the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio for, um, for Taurus was in uh, November of 2022. Let me fast forward us a little bit. So we're going to get into November and let's take it to November 8th. On November 8th, we had a lunar eclipse in the sign of Taurus. Now let me back this up by a few hours to get it nice, nice and perfectly aligned. And this one was actually, you know, 
in an exact conjunction with Uranus. So there's the full moon. It's exactly opposite the sun always. This lunar eclipse took place uh, November 8th of 2022. So we sort of had bookends around the um, the spring and the autumn, if you're in the northern hemisphere, opposite in the southern. And um, these ecl another eclipse in Taurus that continues and deepens the work in that whole sign house. Now, what's interesting is that often you get a third and sometimes even a fourth, but um, we had an out of sign eclipse while the node was still in Taurus um, going into 2023. So if you go to April, we're at April 19th. This is really interesting. This To me, this was like such an interesting eclipse that we had. Here you can see the, um, there we go. We're getting the solar eclipse at the 29th degree and 50th minute of Aries while the North Node was in Taurus. So, you know, it, this was just a little bit later. It would have been at zero Taurus. Right? But instead, we had an out-of-sign eclipse at the end of Aries. Now, I would say that if you looked at the whole sign house of Aries in your chart and Taurus, you might see some connection there between the two areas for this particular eclipse, almost like the, there was a bleeding over between one house and the other that was, that was taking place topically. That might be a stretch for some of you. That, that eclipse might have been more thoroughly about the whole sign house of Aries and its topics. But it was a curious one. Anyway, so our final eclipse is coming up and it is uh, happening on October 28th. So we're going to go forward to October and let's scoot this along so that we get here we are to the 28th. Now, again, let me back this up some hours so that we can get the exact look that we want. Here it is. So here you can see the full moon again. Now it is uh, about 11 degrees off the north node. And so I believe it's a pretty partial lunar eclipse. Um, you know, and, and generally speaking, that you know, sort of more potent the eclipse, the more total the, the eclipse, lunar or solar. Um, but either way, uh, this is a, a pretty uh, significant eclipse because it's with Jupiter. It's applying to Jupiter. Mars is opposite Jupiter at the same time. Mercury, Mars conjunct and opposite Jupiter. So some powerful signatures with Jupiter engaged uh, in the eclipse. And I'm not going to talk so much about the particulars of the eclipse now. We're going to do that closer to the time of the eclipse in October, toward the end of October. But what I do want to focus on is the fact that this really is, now this is out of sign, but it is landing in Taurus and we did have an out of sign Aries solar eclipse on the north node is in Taurus. So again, you could even think about Aries, how the, the whole sign house of Aries, its topics and the whole sign house of Taurus as sort of like bleeding together a little bit. Um, that might be something to do, but we're going to focus just on the whole sign house of Taurus today and what you might notice. So I'm just going to go around the wheel and we're just going to do some very quick hit keywords to remember. Um, if you are an Aries rising, this is these eclipses have been happening in your second house, which is a place of resources, skills. Um, it, the resources of the second house can really be anything that support your body, your well-being, your welfare. So money, resources, skill, skill acquisition and development. Um, you can also, it's funny, someone mentioned in the comment section yesterday, the Vedic view of the second house, which is much more broad about, you know, sometimes it's like people that support you. 
in ancient Western astrology, the same meaning was there. Sometimes it would be like your, like your, your therapist or your lawyer or your attorney or a counselor or an advisor, or even family members who uh, acted as a close uh, support for you personally. It could be found in the second house. So it's a, it's a really, it's a house that's thought of as the things that you have, possess, develop, acquire that support you in a very direct way. Um, including things like money and finances. But that's where the work has been for you, Aries out there, Aries rising, of course. And uh, this is the final eclipse happening in that house, bringing a kind of a theme of closure, resolution, completion of uh, um, stories that have been developing in that area. If you're Taurus rising, then the culmination and completion of this cycle or round of eclipses takes place in the first house. It's about self-development. It's about body it's about physique, it's about health, it's about mentality, it's about psychology, personal growth and development. With Jupiter and Uranus there, you're, you're finishing something where you're also sort of poised for even more expansion and breakthrough by the spring of 2024 when Jupiter and Uranus can join. But you think a lot about the development of your sense of identity, purpose, health, physique, body, um, and also how are you changing your mentality or outlook? Uh, there's been a, a cycle of development happening in that area for you, Taurus Risings. For example, I, you guys know because I, I share, I tend to share um, my Taurus Rising stories because that's my own placement. But I went through a pretty uh, profound shift of identity by shifting my name back to Adam after having a religious uh, initiated name. And then I went through a pretty profound physical transformation while these eclipses were in my first house as well. I was pretty on, I was pretty on point. I was like, wow, you know, sometimes I feel like when eclipses come through, it's not, I don't know, it's, these just felt like so textbook. I was like, wow, it's just so literal. Anyway, if you're Gemini rising, we see this taking place in the 12th house and we think about the kinds of things that you're trying to cultivate or integrate more consciously that are hard to access, hard to understand, hard to reach, more unconscious material. Sometimes that material is a source of um, self-destructiveness. It can be things or people or influences that undermine us. And sometimes it's things that we're trying to cultivate, but we don't quite understand or grasp yet. It's the stuff that we're working to develop, but have fears or lack of confidence around as well. So you think about that 12th house as a kind of unconscious blind spot for better or worse that we're seeking better understanding of. And there's been a cycle of development happening there for you as Gemini's, Gemini rising. Cancer, we see the development of the eclipses and uh, the cycle and story being told in the 11th house. What are your long-term dreams, aspirations, and wishes? What kind of community are you having? What, how has community or social networks and friendships and groups of people been transformed throughout this process? Um, I think of my wife who's a cancer rising and this process was about building a community medicine garden that she has been leading free and donation-based events out of with uh, women. Uh, that's been a, a thing that happened throughout this process. She also uh, led a women's retreat in Costa Rica for, um, you know, exclusively for women. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff happening in her 11th house. It makes sense with community there. But how are your community relations, um, aspirations, colleagues, friends, allies? Uh, how, how have those people in your life changed or transformed throughout this process? As well as just in general, the kinds of aspirations and dreams that you have. All right. Well, for Leo, we place the cycle of Taurian eclipses into your 10th house. Now, that could be a place that describes your career. We all know that. But as I've been mentioning lately in the series that I did on the house topics at different stages and ages of life, 
More broadly speaking, the 10th house is just about what are the activities that are keeping you busy? What kinds of things are you ambitious about? What are your, remember the word praxis that the Greek astrologers use, it broadly just means actions and activities that engage you somehow in the larger world or community. But, um, you know, that the, they don't have to be professional in nature, although quite often they are. But it's a cycle of development in terms of your ambitions, your rank status, public rec recognition, achievement, um, occupation, or just what what are your uh, in what way are you engaging in the world, and uh, what's keeping you busy? That's a, that's really a very broad and easy way of thinking of the tenth house. How is your life direction? What, what does your life direction look like, or how is it transformed as these eclipses have come through? With Virgo, we place these planets into the ninth house, a place of our beliefs, a place of learning and religion and education, political or philosophical orientations, and how have they been transformed, or what have you been learning and studying, what have your relationship with teachers and mentors been like, religion or spirituality, religious community, um, have, you been, have you gone back to school, have you been teaching anything. If you're a teacher, this can be very important for the style or way in which you teach. Uh, it can also be about important or significant travel or uh, religious experience and, and really constituting something like a change of paradigm or a shift in worldview or a, a reorientation or reinvigoration of your beliefs in the way that they guide or shape your life. It's like your compass. So as Libras, what about Libras rising? For Libra rising, we have the uh, Taurus, uh, excuse me, the Taurus eclipse is falling in your eighth house. Now, the eighth house, at, at one of my favorite ways of describing the eighth house is in terms of the esteem of other people. So one way that we can think about the eighth house is, you know, what have my, in what have the most beneficial connections and relationships uh, been over the past couple of years? grants, loans, um, people who say, I like what you're doing and I want to help you. Uh, or even if you're married or in a relationship, what has the, what have the resources or conversations around resources and assets been with a partner or uh, a spouse? That may sometimes involve things like your partner or spouse's livelihood or earning power, or the question of shared responsibilities or questions about are we carrying an equal load or are we sharing the load together? Uh, it's about entanglements with other people, obligations to other people, and in, in debts. It's also about what other people give or withhold from us and how we shape or contort ourselves um, in order to appease others or to make sure that we get certain things that we need from other people. Um, it's also a house that has a lot to do with anxiety, fear about the future. Sometimes there's a kind of uh, connotation of penalties, taxations, punishments. Uh, and so that house can also be um, active in terms of, you know, the, the kinds of like karmic consequences that we're dealing with and whether things feel fair or not. Um, anyway, some things to be thinking about if you're a Libra, a, a conclusion to the stories that have been taking place in that eighth house, which can also sometimes signify uh, deaths, though often it is like the death card in tarot. It's, it's more metaphorical than literal. If you're a Scorpio rising, the eclipse stories of Taurus have fallen into the seventh house, which is the place of relationships. Uh, it's a place, more broadly speaking, where we seek pleasure, union, ecstasy, bliss, uh, kind of 
It's a marriage house. So any kinds of uh, a season of change or transformation in relationships or sexuality, but more broadly speaking, your social life and how you seek and experience pleasure with others um, and what you're learning in relationships overall, and especially the sort of sensual embodied earthy dimension of relationships with Taurus in that house. So a cycle of work and development coming to a close there. Now, remember, if you're not in a relationship, the work of that house may be more broadly speaking about social life and about the pursuit of pleasure or a feeling of happiness. Just broadly speaking, remember in Indian astrology, the house is called Kama, which broadly means pleasure. Now, if we go into uh, Sagittarius rising, we place the Taurus, uh, the Taurus eclipses into the sixth house. So the sixth house is a place where we work, slave, suffer, and sacrifice, often on behalf of something we really care about. And something if that if we have persevered through, worked hard, stuck to it, the hard work pays off eventually. But it's often a house of frustrating, grueling, hard, enduring work. Um, it's also a place of uh, service, sacrifice, fighting or advocating on behalf of things that we need or believe in. Uh, so it's a very chop wood, carry water kind of house. Uh, but a lot of, you know, what we what we stick with and work through because we believe in it, because we're passionate about it, will pay off in the end, especially right now with Jupiter in this house. You think about a process of sacrifice that is maybe leading to some breakthroughs or some really positive results for Sag Risings um, in the next months, um, especially as the eclipses conclude and then Jupiter Uranus come together next spring. For Capricorns, we find the Taurus eclipses in the fifth house. Now, quite literally, eclipses in this house will often tell a story about children, childbirth, pregnancy, uh, and, and anything involving children. But more, more fundamentally, the house is called the Joy of Venus, the house of good fortune, and is related to things that are recreational, pleasing, enjoyable, creatively fulfilling, uh, sexually or romantically exciting. Um, and so... The question, maybe the deepest question has to do again with, um, you know, issues around pleasure. Uh, what, what adds to, supports, um, and, and aids in the experience of rest, ease, pleasure, relaxation, uh, romantic connection, um, and creative satisfaction? And are we building or developing things in our life that will add to our experience of life being a joyful and fun experience that a lot of that for the fifth house has to do with what we create or what we put our creative energy into and what we're learning about what is worth our time and energy and what you know what rewards us with happiness and what doesn't well that's the question for capricorns with the fifth house eclipse cycles in taurus for aquarians this cycle takes us into the fourth house which is a place of roots, uh, family, home, ancestry, property, land, living environment. Remember in the house series we just did, we talked about this house as the house of moksha, which is really about rest, ease, flow, release, liberation from worldly things, whether that's seen as sleep or enlightenment from, you know, release from the body and not having to be reborn. There's various ways that the, the word moksha can be uh, applied or understood. Uh, but it is a place that has to do with the, it, it's sometimes called the resting place. So the the subterranean pivot also has to do with uh, deep, mysterious subterranean topics like mystery traditions and esoteric or occult matters. 
Um, and also what lies at the foundation of our lives and do we have foundational level support emotionally, um, physically? Do we feel like there is a space of ease and rest that we go home to at night? So the transformation has been around home, roots, family, et cetera, but more broadly speaking might have to do with the quality of rest and release from worldly entanglements in general and, and what we're learning about um, our own need for those experiences. I'm realizing I need a lot more of it. And I'm realizing this works and this doesn't for helping me feel a sense of release or um, uh, flow. Let's go to Pisces rising to conclude. And we have the Taurus eclipses landing in the third house, which was called the joy of the moon and a place that represents uh, our neighborhood, the daily rounds, daily activities. It, it has a connection to mind and emotions. And so you think about eclipses in this house as changing your mind and changing your environment, changing how you perceive and react and relate emotionally. It's about communication. It's about learning. It's about developing your mind and understanding what kinds of influences are positive or negative for mind, mood, and emotion in your environment. It might be about connection to neighbors, family, village, uh, siblings, the kind of peripheral um, people and places that surround the Homer roots. You think of the third house kind of flanking the fourth, and it has this connotation of being what draws out and moves around the roots. So that would be like your neighbors and your neighborhood um, and things like that. Sometimes there's weird ways in which the third house will relate to things like technology and travel in the local environment as well. Um, but a lot of the Taurian eclipses would be about creating mental, emotional breakthroughs, maybe uh, learning or developing your mind, figuring out what works or doesn't work or what creates excitement, flow and peace in the environment, like a kind of fun and um, but but safe, stable feeling. Those are some of the concerns of Taurus in the third house. It's a pretty serious moment for Pisceans with Saturn in the first. So, you know, what the eclipses might be doing in the third house is also helping you recognize the way in which you tend to make things harder on yourself mentally and emotionally, maybe helping you kind of loosen up in some ways. Well, those are just some quick hit keywords, like I said, to refresh you. We've had solar eclipse, we've had solar eclipse, April 30th, 22, lunar eclipse, November 8th, 2022. We had that out of sign solar eclipse at late Aries node in early Taurus in April 19th of 2023. And now October 28th of 2023, we're going to get the last lunar eclipse in Taurus. So kind of sealing up the work we've been doing in that Taurian area of the birth chart. Hope you uh, get something good out of this, that you have a great weekend. Don't forget to sign up soon for the new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. You can learn more under the first year course tab at nightlightastrology.com. Be sure to check out the need-based tuition if you think it might help you. We'd be glad to work with you. Any questions, as always, email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.